Amen. Hey, as the bucket passes by your row, I want to just tell you a few things that we have going on here at City Church. Uh, first of all, I don't know, am I the only one that almost had a heart attack when the power started to go out during worship? Uh, but, uh, we've been doing, this church has been going for a little over 10 years. I've been here for, it'll be nine at the end of this month. It's the first time that's ever happened. Uh, and I was, uh, man, I don't know, uh, I was about to do some spiritual warfare for this church. I was terrified, and then it came back on. So I don't know what happened, but praise God, we got through it. Also, um, you probably noticed if you've been uh, a regular here at City Church that most of our worship team today was brand spanking new. Um, we got, I think, four people out of town today, and so Joseph and Parker and Noah all stepped up and slid into positions that they're not normally in. So would you join me and just give them a hand for using their gifts to glorify God? Man, we're so blessed to have gifts in the house, and I, I just get excited every time I see young people worship especially. And so, man, thank you to all you guys and the rest of the worship team as well, Rachel and Caleb and Aaron. You guys all did a, an awesome job leading us into God's presence this morning. Um, we actually are finishing up our next steps today. If you've been going through next steps with us, the process of joining City Church, um, our last uh, installment of that is today after church. We're going to be serving lunch here and hanging out and telling you exactly how you can do exactly that, how you can get plugged in, how you can serve here at City Church. So if you've been going through Next Steps with us the last three weeks, don't forget to hang out afterwards. We won't be here super long, probably from 12 to 1, somewhere around there, um, and get you out of here. But man, uh, it's going to be a great time to, to explain these last steps for you. Also, um, starting this week, we are kicking off our semester of city groups. City groups are our version of small groups. A couple of you are fired up about that, which makes me fired up. So uh, tomorrow night, the West DeSoto County City Group will be meeting at Tripp and Samantha's house over in Nesbitt, uh, and they will be studying the full armor of God with Kenneth and Naomi. going to be an awesome, awesome group. Tuesday night, the women's group will be getting started, and um, I'm not even 100% sure where they're meeting this Tuesday. I know they're not at their regular host home, so get with Kim Steed. Kim, raise your hand for everybody. Okay, they are meeting, uh, and so she will get you the details on, on where that's going to be. The men's group, uh, that's on Tuesday mornings, we're actually not starting this week. We're going to start next Tuesday morning, the 16th, at 6 a.m., right here in the auditorium. So men, keep that in mind. No city group this week, but we are starting next week. And then the East DeSoto uh, city group, which is going to be at Leonard and Paula's house, uh, Dwindle and Lori will be uh, heading that one up. That's on Thursday nights at 6.30. All that information is out there at the Connection Center, you can pick up uh, information on any of those groups or all those groups if you want to kind of pray over it and decide which one is right for you. Um, and uh, it's got information, address, times, all the, all the specifics, contact names, all that good stuff. So, uh, man, we are excited to see our people get connected uh, and, and just to, to get together once again in, in small groups, to, to love on each other, to protect each other, to have each other's back, and to grow together. So do not forget to be at your city group this week, whatever you signed up for. Also, uh, for our students, 6th through 12th grade, 662 students, where are you at? Whoa, that was the worst response I've ever had. The youth pastor in me is just uh, heartbroken right now. Uh, 662, where are you at? 
Okay, I had one person make some noise. Well, uh, we're going to skip the 662 announcement because you guys have hurt my feelings. Uh, no, I'm not going to do that. Uh, 662, we've got uh, see you at and see you after the poll uh, in two and a half weeks. September the 24th is uh, the see you at the poll nationwide where students gather at their flagpoles and, and make a stand for Jesus. Um, an awesome, awesome thing. If you are going to be at your flagpole, let me know and we will make sure and have a youth leader at your poll just to support you and to love on you and maybe even bring a donut or something to uh, just to bless you with that. So let me know if you're going to be at your poll, what school you're at, and we will do that. But that night is a tradition we have around here. We actually celebrate the 662's birthday. The 662 is turning nine years old, our youth ministry, and uh, we are going to do what we call See You After the Poll. And so we're doing a whole big event with giveaways and, and invites. And so basically whoever brings the most friends to See You After the Poll, you're going to win $100 uh, to uh, make sure and bless yourself with is people that have never been. Thank you for clarifying that, Noah. Yes, you don't get to bring all your friends from the 662 and count them. Uh, so you're bringing people that don't go to the 662. Uh, get them here. Whoever brings the most will win that prize. We'll also have a drawing here in service. We'll have free food. We're doing it up big for See You After the Poll. So students, make sure and join us on September the 24th. And then finally, um, as we get ready to, to go into part four of Open the Book, I just want to remind you this week, if you're doing the reading plan along with us, we are going to be in Matthew 22 through 28. You can pick up a reading plan out at the Connection Center on your way out. We're finishing up the book of Matthew. This is the good part. We're going to get to the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The most important story ever told. Um, And I know many of you are super familiar with it, uh, but man, it speaks to me every time I get to read it. Every time I dive in and open the book and see what Jesus went through for me, it just always, always speaks to me. And so join us in that reading. If you haven't been reading along with us, man, just grab a reading plan and and jump on board um, and get your videos in. There's all the information on how to get an open the book video out there. Next week will be our final open the book prize. We'll have one more prize and we'll do the big prize uh, for whoever has the most views overall. So don't forget, to get that in. All right, go ahead and open the book to Psalm 119, the longest chapter in the Bible. It's actually one chapter past the middle chapter in the Bible. Psalm 118 is the middle chapter. Psalm 119 is just one past that. Um, and Psalm 119 is one of the coolest chapters in the Bible, despite the fact that it is really, really long and it is challenging to get through in one sitting sometime. Uh, but Psalm 119 is all about the book. It's all about the Word of God, uh, and, and it's all about how the Word speaks to us, how the Word connects with us, how the Word changes us. And, and in the kind of the middle, uh, just a little past the middle of this amazing chapter, we see a, a verse that is very well known if you've been in Christian circles for any length of time. Uh, but we've been looking at how the Word of God is compared in Scripture to different things over the past few weeks. We saw how the Word of God is like bread. And if you missed that podcast or if you missed that message, man, I really encourage you, go to citychurchlb.com, go to iTunes, get that podcast because I really believe that's, that's a life-changing message. I sat down with uh, somebody uh, who actually lives in Oregon this past week and he checked out that podcast and just got to share like how much God spoke to him in that. I know there have been many other people as well who've been touched by that message, so check that one out. Secondly, we saw how the Word is like a sword. Uh, last week, we got to see how the Word is like a mirror, and today we're going to see how the Word is like light. And in Psalm 119, verse 105, the New American Standard puts it this way. It says, Your word, God's word, is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. God's word 
is like a light. And I think of anything that's really associated with God's word, this is probably one of the most common. It's one of the, the ones that we're probably most frequently associate with the word of God, that God's word is light. God's word illuminates. God's word shows us the way. Kind of all of those concepts, if you're familiar with the word of God, you're probably f- somewhat familiar with those concepts. And so I just have a, a very simple message today. I, I want to show you just five ways that the word is like light. Five ways that, that God's word speaks to us and, and is usable to us, functions for us, like light. And then at the end, I've got two more things I want to share with you that, that are kind of uh, relevant to the topic. So diving right in this morning, the, the first one and the most obvious one, the one that we probably already all know, but I think it bears examination, is light shows us the way. Light shows us the way, right? Light opens our eyes or it allows our eyes to see where we're going. In this verse, it says, your word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. What's the path symbolic of? Man, that's, that's the path of my life. Where is my life headed? That, where, where does God want me to go? What is my purpose? What is my significance? Why am I here? Well, the light of the word of God is going to show us what steps we're supposed to take. Light shows us the way. Many of you have probably uh, been in the situation where you couldn't see where you're going. Uh, it's pretty difficult to not be able to see uh, whether you've got a blindfold on or, or maybe the lights have just gone out. We almost had that happen this morning. Uh, we might have got to experience this in a very practical way this morning. Um, and, and it's amazing how when vision is eliminated, everything changes. Uh, vision is our most dominant sense. It is the sense that we rely on the strongest. And obviously there are people who don't have the blessing of that sense. And in and, and God's grace, he's seen to it that when vision is eliminated, our other senses heighten and we hear better and we feel more and, and we taste more and smell more and, and you can still get around. But man, when, for somebody like me who's had sight his whole life, man, when sight's taken away, I get a little disoriented. I get a little awkward. I get a little unsure of myself. Uh, we do a thing every year in our youth ministry called Camp 662. In Camp 662, uh, there's kind of a running joke that in, uh, many times we're going to get right to the point of having the competition. They're like, oh, by the way, you got to put on a blindfold. Uh, you got to do it blindfolded. And uh, so we like to take away vision in our students' competitions. We like to challenge them to do something without sight. And when they're blindfolded, it's amazing uh, how these otherwise athletic, coordinated, you know, have-it-together teenagers all of a sudden revert to, like, toddler stage. Uh, and, and they're kind of feeling around, and they're kind of stumbling around, and they almost look like zombies, right? They're just kind of, where am I going? What am I doing? Because uh, they can't see. Why? Because light shows us the way. And when light is eliminated, things get difficult. Here's what's really scary, and it's not teenage zombies walking around at camp. It's this. As Christians, you and I, as God's children, if we choose to neglect to open the book, if we choose to neglect the Word of God, which we've already seen the studies, we've already seen the statistics, that the vast majority of Christians in America are in exactly that place, that over half of Christians in America don't read the Bible more than once a week. We're starving. And so if you are in that boat today, if you are one of those Christians who maybe you only read the Bible once a week or or less than once a week or maybe even twice or three times a week, you are neglecting your vision. 
you're walking around blindfolded. You are a Christian zombie, kind of stumbling around, kind of trying to figure out where to go, trying to figure out what is going on. You have no purpose, no direction, no confidence. You really just don't know where you're going. And what we discover is that as Christians, when we don't have our sight that God has already provided for us, when we're not taking advantage of it, it's going to lead to us living defeated Christian lives. It just is. We're not going to walk in the victory that Jesus paid for us to have if we can't see. And so I want to help you today to learn to turn on the light, to take advantage of the vision that God has already given us. And here's what the Word teaches in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4. It says that the God of this age has blindfolded, or blinded, excuse me, the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. In other words, before you got saved, before I got saved, maybe if you're here today and you're not yet a Christian, this would apply to you. But before we came to Christ, we were spiritually blind. It says the God of this age, and that is not God, that is Satan, just to, to verify, that is the prince of darkness, has blinded the eyes of unbelievers so that they cannot see the glorious light of Jesus Christ. And so God in his grace, he comes down and he rescues us and through his spirit, he opens our eyes and he gives us vision at that moment where we receive Christ. All of a sudden, spiritually, the blindfold is taken off and all of a sudden, we can see. You see, spiritual sight is so important. Jesus died so that you could have spiritual sight. But just like your physical vision, just because you have it doesn't mean you get to use it if the lights are off, if you're blindfolded, if you just don't open your eyes, which I don't know anybody who would ever do that. But how many Christians are out there who are walking around spiritually blind, and they don't have to. Jesus has paid the price for us to see, and yet we are not turning on the light by opening the Word of God. Before we move on, I want to discuss the the first half of Psalm 119.105 as well. It says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Um, God gives us direction through His Word. We help, help allows us to see where we are going through his word. And just like a lamp is used for our feet, or or like it would have been 2,000 years ago when this was written. Samantha, if you go ahead and put that picture up for us. We have a picture of an Israelite lamp. Uh, There we go. That was a lamp that that they're speaking of in this verse when it says, a lamp for my feet. And you kind of see at the back there's this round handle. Not every lamp in that day and age had the handle. A lot of lamps were just designed to be used at home. Uh, So this was the portable lamp. Basically, this was their flashlight. If you had to go out at night, you would not leave without that lamp. They didn't have street lights. They didn't have any electricity. So if they wanted to see as they walked around at night, they had to make sure that they had this lamp. And so the, the psalmist says that your word is a lamp to my feet. Isn't it interesting that he says a lamp to my feet and not a lamp to my eyes? Why do you think that is? Well, well, here's my best understanding of it and what really speaks to me when I read this verse. If you were to take a lamp like that uh, out on a path, you're not going to see very far. That lamp, you can see that there's just a little flame at the end of it. The flame is not impressive. It's not massive. It's not going to light up the whole path. What's it going to light up? My feet. What am I going to see? 
to step in front of me. And you know, that's how God moves many times. God's word says that rejoice for the steps of the righteous are ordered by God. And so many times we want God to show us the whole thing. God, what is my purpose in life? Why did you create me? What is my calling? And God's saying, open the book and I'm going to show you a step. And here's what happens. When you have that lamp with you and you take that step, the lamp moves forward and all of a sudden I can see my next step. And as I step forward, I can see the next step and the next step and the next step. And so the Lord leads his people not in leaps, not in races. He leads his people in steps. And so he speaks to us through his word and he unveils a step. And as I'm faithful to the step that God sets before me, God is faithful to give me the next step and to illuminate the next step. And so many of us, we're so worried about what we're supposed to be doing in 10 years or what's the ultimate purpose that God created for us that we're neglecting the simple steps that God's telling us to take right now. And I believe very strongly that the greatest way to discover God's specific will for your life is to begin to walk out God's general will for all believers. And we find that in His Word. And as you begin to walk out His general will, as you begin to do the things that He's commanded us to do, that's when the Holy Spirit is really going to come alive in you and begin to speak to you and say, this is the person I really want you to go witness to. Yes, I've called all believers to be witnesses. Now I'm going to tell you who you're supposed to witness to. But as I step out in faith, as I begin to share my faith, as I begin to go after people and tell them, there's a God who loves you and he died for you. Now I'm going to start to get this specific direction for my life. But i got to be faithful to the step. Because his word is a lamp unto my feet and a light for my path. Second thing that, that we see that the word resembles light in is that light reveals obstacles. Light reveals obstacles. If you were to uh, get up and, and take the midnight trip to the bathroom, I don't know if any of you guys ever wake up in the middle of the night to use the restroom. I do. Uh, and that's a blessing to me because uh, up until I was about seven or eight years old, I was a bedwetter. Uh, and I did not wake up to go to the bathroom. Uh, so God has redeemed me and fixed that in me. And I am grateful that I wake up in the middle of the night to go pee in Jesus' name. It's a good thing. Uh, so uh, bedwetting is the most embarrassing thing for a kid. Uh, at least it was for me. Super, super, super humiliating. Uh, so glad that that phase is in the past. As a married man, especially very glad that that phase is in the past. Uh, it's a good thing. And I'm sure my wife is very grateful for that as well. Uh, but those midnight trips to the bathroom, um, I know exactly where the bathroom is. It's not far from our, our, our bed. We actually have a bathroom in our bedroom. Uh, and so it, it's not very difficult to get to, but even in just those 15 or 20 steps that it takes from my side of the bed to the bathroom, in the pitch black room, there's oftentimes a dog toy that I will find with my bare feet, uh, or, or there's uh, a edge of the bed that I will find with my knee, or there's a wall that I will find with my toe. Um, there's obstacles along the way. And so uh, God, in his goodness, created a man named Steve Jobs. And Steve Jobs created an iPhone. And now I have an iPhone next to the bed. And when I get up, I grab my iPhone, and my iPhone lights the way. So I no longer stub my toes and bang my knees and destroy my body on the way to the bathroom. Why? Because light reveals obstacles. Now I can see that dog toy in the middle of the floor that Sonic left out. Now I can see the edge of the bed that wants to tear up my knee. I can see the wall that wants to destroy my toe. And so uh, I'm much healthier now thanks to having a light next to the bed because light reveals obstacles. 
Let me give you a, a real simple example how this might work for you in Scripture as you open the book and have the Word of God speak to you and the light begins to shine on your path. Let's say that you're having an issue with a coworker at work. I don't know if anybody in his room, I'm sure you guys get along with everybody you work with. But let's just, I've had some coworkers that I, I kind of had some issues with. So we'll say I had an issue, uh, or any of us might have an issue with a coworker. And so you've got that issue with that coworker, and you feel like, hey, I need some advice. I don't know how to handle this person. I don't know what to do. Uh, I just want to strangle them uh, and bury their body and move on. Uh, and so I know that's not right. So what am I supposed to do? So I begin to, to seek out some counsel. You begin to seek out some counsel. And so you open the book before you go get that counsel and you begin to read the word of God. And you're smart enough to know that I'm going to go to Proverbs because Proverbs is full of wisdom. And I need some wisdom right now. I need some direction. God, light up. My path, And so you go to Proverbs, and in Proverbs 16, 28, you come across this. It says that a perverse person stirs up a conflict, and gossip separates close friends. And so you were considering going to see another coworker and talk to them about this coworker and find out, do they feel the same way, and how do they handle it? But then you discover that it's a perverse person who stirs up conflict. That a gossip separates close friends. That God's word is clear and defined and boldly against gossip. And by the way, here at City Church, we have a no gossip policy. If somebody comes to you and starts talking bad about somebody else at City Church, just tell them we don't do that here. Man, just cut them off. Don't give ear to it. Don't listen to it. Uh, Just cut them off right there because gossip destroys relationships. Gossip destroys families. Gossip destroys churches. And we're not going to do that. We're not going to be those people. Uh, And so, man, if you catch somebody, and it might even be one of us. It might even be me. I'm not going to say I'm above it. I might make that mistake. And if I do that, be like, yo, we don't do that here. Get your act together. because we're not going to be that. We're, we're determined to be smarter than that. But you, you open the book and you discover, okay, of gossip separates close friends. So this other person who knows this person, I can't talk to them about this. They might have some real insight, but I'm going to damage that person's reputation in the process. I'm going to hurt the way that they look at them. So I'm going to go to somebody who doesn't know them. I'm going to go to a family member who's outside of the circle. I'm going to go to my city group leader and pick their ear and get some advice from them. I'm going to go to somebody else who I know is going to give me some godly counsel, somebody else who's in the word of God, who's going to give me some wisdom on how to handle this situation. That's a very simple, very basic idea. But the word reveals obstacles. And if I'm not turning on the light of the Word of God, I'm not going to see the obstacles in my way. And I'm not going to see that the enemy has set up an obstacle for me to trip on of gossip. And that I'm going to sit here and destroy a relationship unknowingly, maybe even with good intentions. Because a lot of times that's, people think they have good intentions when they gossip. And yet they destroy people. They destroy lives in the process. So God's Word screams at us, don't go there. Stay away from that. Do not enter. God's word screams at us about bad decisions. Why? Because light reveals obstacles. The third way that the word of God is like light. It's one of my favorites. That's light overcomes darkness. Don't you love that? Don't you love that light overcomes darkness? In fact, scientifically, darkness doesn't actually exist. Darkness is simply the absence of light. And so anytime light is entered into a situation, darkness has to flee. And so symbolically, I love that. I love that when there's darkness in my life, when darkness is attacking, when the enemy is coming at me, that all i got to do is tap into the light. And the light 
is going to overcome and overwhelm the darkness. In fact, John chapter 1 and verse 5, speaking of Jesus, the light of the world, it says the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Darkness cannot overcome light. Light always overcomes darkness. Uh, If you go ahead and bring the lights down, I'm going to try to illustrate this for us this morning. Uh, Go ahead and hit the blackout button, uh, please. Thank you. All right, yeah, we're going to get as dark in here as we can. we still got some light coming in. Hopefully you guys can see this. Um, fairly dark room, pretty dark, but you're in the very back sound booth uh, trip. Can you see this? Yes, don't shake your head at me. Nobody else can see you. Can you see this? <laughs> Louder. Okay, Trip Doyle is the loudest person I know. It gets real quiet on Sunday morning. I call him out. Thank you. Uh, you can all see this candle. No matter where I go in this room, you can see this candle. I can walk out. I can walk over. And if I, unless I put the candle out, then, yeah, the hot air of my mouth. Uh, thankfully, I think it's holding up. Very, very simple. Why? Because this one little light, this, this is not much light at all. This is a very insignificant light. But this one little light is greater than the darkness. Now, go ahead and bring up the lights over the stage. Okay. Go ahead and uh, the ones up here. All right, now we put in one bay worth of lights. And all of a sudden, look at how much light there is. Look at how much you can see. Go ahead and put the next one up. All the way up. Okay, put the last one up. You see, as you introduce more and more light, light overcomes the darkness. Now, some of us are walking around, and this is about all the light we got. We're opening the book once a month. Once a semester, we're opening the book, just when we come to church maybe. We don't have a whole lot of light. But God's given us a whole book full of light. And we can turn on light after light after light. We can shine light into every realm of our lives. We can shine light into our relationships. We can shine light into our finances. We can shine light into the the hidden corners of our heart that nobody else knows about. We can shine light into every aspect of life, our workplace, our family, uh, anything that we have going on. We can turn on the light of the Word of God. And the more light that we have, man, darkness just disappears. Look at that. This is not a lot of light in this room. We don't really have a ton of light in here. But when we turn all the lights on, darkness is gone because light always overcomes darkness. It helps us find things in the dark. When I was a senior in high school, I was about to graduate, and I had some great scholarship opportunities coming up. And so my parents, as a reward for me, uh, they bought me a car. And so I got this car as a graduation present. I actually got it about three weeks before I graduated. And I'm not trying to put that on any parent in here. So young person, don't go to you and be like, that's your boast about car for graduation. Uh, you know, I'm just saying, this is what my parents did for me. And so I got this car, and uh, about a week or two after I graduated, I was at my girlfriend's house uh, really late. And I was pushing curfew, and she lived about 30 minutes away. And I left home, her house for my house about 15 minutes before curfew. And so I'm like, I'm going to see what this car can do. Uh, I'm going to test this thing out, see how fast I can get home. And so she lived on these country roads. We lived in, in North Carolina at the time. Uh, and so I'm driving on these country roads, and I've been to her house a million times. I knew these roads like the back of my hand. And so what they had done is they had just recently repaved the road. And so now the road was about this high above the shoulder. And so I'm coming around one corner, and I lip off. My front right tire goes off on this side. Uh, and so I 
jerk it back onto the road, and like a dumb 18-year-old that I was, uh, I overcorrected. And so I did one and a half spins across the road and dumped it down the ditch on the other side. Went down a 12-foot embankment, and only by the grace of God, completely perfectly parked it directly between two trees. Uh, like, absolutely should have probably killed myself uh, and got out of there with it. With the only, actually, the only injury that I had is when I opened my car door and got out, a branch cut across my face. And that was the only injury I had from my accident. Uh, but so now my, this is before I had a cell phone. This is 1999. Uh, so I, and I'm out in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of the country, long way away from my parents, long way away from my girlfriend's house, in the pitch black. And so uh, I had, again, by the grace of God, had the presence of mind to uh, turn my headlights on, make sure that I left my headlights on. Uh, so I got out, and I'm just, like, freaking out. So anyway, long, long story short, I end up making uh, somebody, a, a single mom with two kids, like, four-year-old and a two-year-old in the car, picks me up out in the middle of the country. Like, this is the bravest, probably stupidest woman in the world. Uh, but, but... I was a, a godsend for me. This woman picks me up, and she takes me back to the girlfriend's house because it was closer, and uh, they came out to, to help me tow the car out. And so we're driving through the dark, and you can't find it. And literally, the only reason that we found my car is because we were barely able to see a little bit of headlight creeping through the brush. Uh, and so light, man, it's going to overcome the darkness. Just that little headlight was, was the key for us to finding my car and getting it out of there. And, of course, I got grounded for, like, the next month, and it was not, the, not a good situation. And young people don't speed. Moral of the story, uh, get home on time for curfew. Uh, so make sure you have plenty of time. But light always, always, always overcomes darkness. Light is a powerful thing. Number four, light is reliable. You know, God's word can be trusted. God's word is reliable. Light's reliable. We have artificial light in our day and age. But true light, natural light, is reliable. These lights could go out at some point in time, as we've already discovered. But real light is reliable. If I walk outside on a sunny day, I know there's going to be light. It just is. That light of the sun is always shining. Whether I'm having a good day or I'm having a bad day. The light of the sun is shining. Whether I'm confused that day or I know exactly what I'm supposed to be doing, the light is shining. Whether I woke up on the wrong side of the bed that day or the right side of the bed, whether I woke up on time or I'm running late, whatever the situation, the light is reliable, and the light of the Word of God is always reliable. You can always trust it. It's always going to do what it's designed to do. God's word avails much. It is powerful. It is strong. And when we dive into the word, it's going to do what it's designed to do. Now, I don't always feel it working. Okay? You see the difference here? It's always going to do something in me. It's always going to show me something. I don't always sense it. Because the, the word of God speaks to my spirit, not necessarily just to my soul or my body. It strengthens my spirit. And a lot of times it's going to bypass my emotions altogether. And I feel like, man... Just spent five minutes reading. Sometimes I don't come out spiritual high off a of time reading the Word. I don't know about you guys, but man, you read the Bible and all of a sudden you're in the presence of God every time. And if that's you, that's awesome. I'm just being real, that's not me. And I don't know if you have this like elevated opinion of me as a pastor that, man, I must just spend time with, with all the Holy Spirit chill bumps. It doesn't always happen that way. Sometimes it does, and those times rock. But a lot of times it doesn't. A lot of times it's just reading. But you know what? It always works. 
Whether I sense it or not, whether I realize it or not, whether I know it or not in that moment, the light of the word of God is reliable. And as I shine the light into my heart, it may not be for something that I'm going through this moment, but it's for something I'm going to need down the road. It's something that God is doing in me. It's something that God is strengthening in me. The word is always reliable. I just got to turn on the light. You got to turn on the light. The last thing of our five things that that light connects with the word is that light comes with fire. We've already demonstrated a candle. Back then, the only light that they had really uh, in the darkness was fire. Those lamps, they were a fire. They'd light a torch. They'd light a lamp. They had some sort of fire going. Light comes with fire. And I believe that when God's people consistently get in the word of God, I don't just mean one time. I don't mean twice. I mean consistently open the book, consistently ask God to speak to me through your word. I believe that the fire of the Holy Ghost is going to ignite inside of us. I believe it. And I don't mean just when we're reading the word. I mean when we're out in the middle of life and life is happening. I believe that God is going to awaken. You see, all throughout Scripture, we see this connection between the word and the spirit. And the spirit who lives inside of us is the one who enables us to process the word, who enables us to understand the word, who enables us to walk out the word. And fire is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. Light brings fire. Fire brings light. The two are totally connected. And if you don't have the fire, passion for God right now, if you're in a season of life where where you're dry, if you're in a season of life where you don't feel and sense the Holy Spirit leading you and guiding you and speaking to you, can I tell you one of the first things I'm going to ask you? Are you in the Word of God? And nine times out of ten, when I've had those conversations, nine times out of ten when people are in a desert season and I just don't feel God anymore and I'm just not excited to worship anymore and I just don't know if I can do this Christian life anymore, not every time, but nine times out of ten, they're not in the Word. And if you're not turning on the light, if you're not shining the light that God has provided for you into your life, you're probably not going to have much of a flame for very long. You might have some emotions for a little while. You might get fired up because somebody else is excited about God or because you watched a movie and you got some chill bumps or because you came and saw a cool band and they led you into worship and whatever. But you're not going to have a flame that isn't going to be put out by the darkness of life unless you're in the Word of God. I don't know how to say it any more plainly than that. The light brings the fire. And the fire brings the light. They are 100% connected. It's this continuous cycle where if I want to feed the Holy Spirit's voice in my life, i got to put the Word in. And if I want to walk out what the Holy Spirit is telling me to do, He's going to tell me to read the Word. And it's one, and then it's the other, and then it's one, and then it's the other. And it's this continuous cycle of hearing what God, or reading what God has said before and now listening to what God is telling me today. And I can't have one without the other. If you try to have one without the other, you're going to be totally off base. we got to turn on the light. Last thing I wanted to talk to you about is just two comparisons that, that maybe you've already gone to in your mind or two other things that, that Scripture uses light to symbolize. And I think this is so cool. You see, God, I believe, loves three things above all else. God the Father loves three things above anything else. One, he loves his people. Does God love the lost? Absolutely. But God loves his people. God loves his church. He loves his people. And guess what? 
Matthew, if you've opened the book and been reading along with us, Matthew chapter 5 tells us that you are the light of the world. Not only is God's word light, but you yourself are light. In verse 14 it says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Why? Because there's light coming from the town. The darkness cannot overcome the light in the homes of the town. The town on the hill can't be hidden. It's there for everybody to see. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Christian, man, woman, young person, your light. And so your light that God has called you to carry out into the world. He doesn't just say, you're going to be the light of the world. What does he say? He says, let your light shine. I have to let it shine. It's not just going to shine on its own. I have to willfully and intentionally allow the light to be seen. And one of the ways that I do that is by putting the light of the word in me. Yes, God's lit a flame in me. Yes, he's put something in me at salvation. But I've got to douse that flame. I've got to keep that flame lit. I've got to keep some, some lighter fluid on that thing. I don't know if there's any other charcoal cookers out here, but, man, praise God for lighter fluid. Man, all of a sudden, that flame just puffs up, man. It's awesome, and it's a miracle I have eyebrows. Uh, but, but it's amazing what that flame can do. Uh, that's what the Word is like. You've already got a little light in you. You've already got something that God's put in you. But when you take the word of God and you connect it with that flame, all of a sudden your light's going to shine in a way that people are going to see. We've got to put the word in there. So God loves his people, number one. He loves his word, number two. But more than anything else, the father loves his son. The father has an amazing, amazing love for his son. And you've probably already made this connection, many of you. But in John chapter 8, verse 12, it says, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You see, Jesus is the light of the world, and I love it. Throughout the book of John, there's all these I am statements. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and on and on. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the gate, etc., etc." And what's amazing about those statements is each time he does one, not only is he telling us something cool about his nature, he's declaring he is God. See, because the name of God is I am. He's saying, Yahweh, the light of the world, I am the light. And so God, in the form of Jesus Christ, is the light of the world. Now, why are we talking about this? I thought we were talking about the word of God and why the word is so powerful. Here's what you need to know. Yes, the word is connected to the Holy Spirit. But the word is connected more closely to Jesus than anything else. Throughout scripture, we see very, very similar imagery for the word of God as we do for Jesus. In fact, if we go back a few weeks, we saw how the word is like bread. You know what Jesus said? He said, I'm the bread of life. So the word is bread and Jesus is bread. We saw how the word is like a sword. Well, guess what? In the book of Revelation, when Jesus shows up, he's got a sword coming out of his mouth. Why? Because Jesus is connected to the Word. Uh, John 1.1 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Who's the Word? Jesus Christ is the living 
Word of God. In fact, my wife for a period of time went to a Christian school called Living Word Academy because Jesus is the living Word. And so when I get into the Word of God, I'm not just reading stories from 2,000 years ago. I'm not just reading letters and advice and bits of wisdom. When I get into the Word of God, I am connecting to Jesus Christ Himself because Jesus is the Word. So many of us be like, Jesus, I wish you would just speak to me. Jesus, I wish you would just show up in my life. Jesus, I wish I could just feel you right now. And we got 4.4 Bibles in our home, like the average American home, sitting on the shelf collecting dust. What is God telling us to do? He's saying, if you want to know my son, all you got to do is know my word. If you want to know the one who came to die for you, if you want to know the one who put his life on the line for you, if you want to know the one who is the redeemer, the cornerstone, the one who is the firstborn among all creation, all you got to do is open the book and turn on the light because there's an intimate connection between Jesus and the Word. And if you get anything out of this series, I don't want you to just get that, man, the Bible is good. I want you to get that. I don't want you to just get, okay, I need to read my Bible, and my pastor keeps kicking my butt about it, and I keep not reading, and I don't even want to go to church anymore because he won't quit talking about it. That's not what I want you to get. What I want you to get is that the Word is full of Jesus. And you need more Jesus in your life. I need more Jesus in my life. And God has made a way for me to have it, to tap in to the living Word by opening the book taking up my sword, eating the bread, looking in the mirror, and turning on the light. And if we will simply take this and put it into action, if we'll simply begin to walk it out, if we'll simply begin to open the book on a consistent basis and get out of average American mode where we read the Bible maybe once a week, if we feel like it, And actually take advantage of the fact that we can connect with Jesus. You don't need to come to church to connect with Jesus. You don't need to hear me preach a message to connect with Jesus. You don't have to listen to a podcast. You don't have to read something that some Bible scholar wrote. You can actually connect with Jesus on your own. Just open the book. And he'll begin to speak to you. And he'll begin to show you things. And he'll become real in your life. So turn on the light. Let's open the book. Let's pray.